Everybody and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 19th episode for the week of September 3rd, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our Animal Ambassador of the Week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to have intuitive healer, Reiki practitioner, and founder of Manifest Reiki and Herbs, Cassie Pinner, join me on the podcast in a discussion on Neptune's Journey, Opening the Gate to Spiritual Understanding. And so before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady is wrapping up her waning cycle this week as we slowly approach a new moon in Virgo on Sunday. She starts out the week still in the -the on-the-go sign of Gemini before she moves into the watery domicile of Cancer on Tuesday. Midweek, she will hang out in the sensitive and emotional zone until moving into fiery Leo on Thursday. Luna will remain in this loving yet dramatic energy until moving into the practical earth of Virgo on Saturday, and where she will quietly make her way to the new moon conjunction. And so just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, so even though we are waning down and headed towards this weekend's new moon, there are a plethora of aspects this week that will set the tone for our lunar rebirth that is ahead. Things get hazy with our yearly Sun-Neptune opposition, and Venus's square to Mars heats up the relationship dynamic, and Mercury, who now officially moves into Virgo after a very long stay in Leo, um, is going to form the second leg of our grand trine in Earth um, that we experienced a couple weeks ago when the Sun was in that position. Um, And really, that's not all. There's, There's more to it. So let's waste no time and dive right in. 
So on Monday, we have that moon in Gemini, uh, and we'll make a square to Neptune, uh, trine to Venus, and then a sextile to Mercury. And if you are in the U.S., you might know this day as Labor Day. So we have Labor Day uh, this day. Um, And other than having Labor Day, we also have Mercury, who will be making a sextile to Venus on this day as well. Um, And so Mercury, you know, once again, it's that thought process, that information coming in, you know, distributing, transactions, communicating. Um, And a sextile, you know, kind of opens a door if we choose to open it. (laughs) And it helps to create opportunities. Uh, And what are those opportunities? Well, Venus, relating to others, partnerships, our social life, you know, finding harmony, balance, um, or maybe even a little seduction. But I think that's a little later in the week when (laughs) when Venus meets Mars, but we'll get there. Um, But either way, you know, I think this is wonderful um for a, a for a labor day so just a quick note um mercury when it was retrograde actually met venus on august 18th uh in this sextile formation um and it's interesting because these two don't always get to talk to one another uh based on their orbits because they are very close um you know closer than us to the sun in the way that we view them and the way they connect um and so the last time there was an opportunity between the two of uh these planets um was in the summer of 2017 and it won't happen again until spring of 2020 so even though it's it's minor and it's enjoyable it doesn't come around every day um and so i think that this aspect even in its subtlety will be quite welcome for the holiday so if you live in the US um you know labor day is commonly a time that is you know, similar to that kind of 4th of July vibe, you know, a day off to barbecue, hang with friends and family, and maybe do so with a little patriotic bench since it is, you know, um, a national holiday. Uh, And so for a day that's typically known for parties and gatherings, it seems rather sweet that Venus and Mercury are meeting. And so a good time will be on offer if we allow ourselves to let go and relax and enjoy the social conversations and the beauty of interaction with others. This can certainly be a day where we can earnestly or perhaps even casually tell people how much we love them and the joy they bring to our lives. Our minds will also be able to tap into the creative harmony of life, so don't be surprised if you find yourself opening up to all the ideas that inspiration holds. Artistic pursuits are definitely favored at a time like this, as long as you're able to uh, maybe, you know, break free from that seductive lounginess of Dear Venus, because sometimes Venus just wants to chill. Um, And so the bottom line for Monday is socializing is up, and there are no shortage of words or conversation on a day like today. We are in for a good time where we get to connect with others and go with the flow of the holiday. If you live in the U.S., that is. Or you can just create your own holiday. I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, and the day could be rather busy with a back and forth of activity, you know, because the moon is still in Gemini. Yet there's also a relaxed vibe to it as well with that sweet trine to Venus. Um, and so either way, there's a lot of fun and games that can be had on a day like today. So just enjoy yourself. Now, Tuesday, the moon moves into Cancer and will square Chiron, sextile Uranus, and oppose Saturn. And so I have a feeling Tuesday is going to be feeling a lot different than Monday and our Gemini, uh, you know, hangout hangout moon. Um, And so no aspects this day, but that's not the case for the rest of the week. Um, So the bottom line for Tuesday is that with the moon now in the sensitive waters of Cancer, we are likely to be feeling the need for security. Or if that feeling of security is elusive, there's a chance that we may feel a little stressed. 
Life can seem a little hard as Luna makes an opposition to a super slow Saturn that is headed for direct motion in a few days because Saturn is about to um, station uh, to go direct, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and outside limitations may get in our way, uh, you know, through that opposite opposition to Saturn. Yet luckily we have the opportunity to liberate and reinvent aspects of our material life to help quell that potentially crabby moon since we have that opportunity from Uranus. And so a nice night at home and a good meal with the ones you love will turn any moodiness around rather quickly. And the feeling of inner conflict will begin to release as Luna makes a harmonious aspect to the sun. So might st- start out a little uh, and then end up pretty good if we, if we allow ourselves to nurture ourselves. Now on Wednesday, uh, the moon is still in Cancer and we'll make a very early morning sextile to the sun, a trine to Jupiter, or excuse me, a trine to Neptune and then Jupiter, and then an opposition to Pluto. And so of note for that day, we have Mercury moving into Virgo. And so Mercury is officially moving into its nighttime domicile of Virgo after spending several months uh, since the end of June, to be exact, in a back and forth retrograde dance in the sign of Leo. And I'm sure a lot of you have felt that. In fact, all the retrogrades. (laughs) Um, It was definitely impactful. And so our minds will now shift from this inspirational heart-centered space of Leo and into the more critically aligned arena of meticulous Virgo. I consider this a blessing as we have, a, you know, we have, we've mulled over that creative inspiration and what the heart wants for some time now and, you know, what's been rising up within us. And now it's time for, you know, with the messenger moving to the place that it calls home, we can really you know, use this energy and attend to the reality of it all by getting all the details in place and perfecting our mental skills. That's kind of the beauty of the Leo to Virgo is Leo brings the inspiration and the creativity and Virgo goes and perfects that. Um, So if you have any tasks that need precision, discernment, organization, or anything of the like, you know, all that fun stuff, (laughs) you have until September 21st to get all your ducks in a row before Mercury shifts into the back and forth air sign um, of Libra. And so the bottom line of Wednesday is, with Mercury entering Virgo, our second grand Earth trine begins. The emotional tone of the day may teeter a bit when we experience that opposition to Pluto midday in the U.S., with the possibility of some intensity that could be initiated in order to bring about some changes. This can happen in the work arena, with a bureaucratic matter, or in an area that touches on those security issues I mentioned the day prior. An unconscious feeling of defensiveness may arise with that Cancer moon, so do what you can to stay objective, as an emotional disruption is likely. Now, on Thursday, we have the moon still in Cancer, but early on in the day, she is going to move into Leo. And along the way, she'll make a square to Venus, an opposition to Mars, who is still rather slow himself, uh, and then a square to Uranus, which is always fun. Um, And so, you know, Thursday's kind of a packed day here. Uh, We have Saturn, who is stationing direct at two degrees Capricorn. um, And we also have Mercury trining Saturn um, and Mercury also trining Uranus retrograde. And so there's that grand trine I'm talking about. Technically, that happens really early tomorrow on Friday morning but I'm going to talk about it in the Thursday portion because I think that that might be more relevant as far as uh, feeling the energy. But I think we're going to be feeling it all week. So put it in, you know, get it in where it fits in. (laughs) Um, So let's start with that Saturn stationing uh, direct. 
And so just a quick FYI, if you have any planets at the early degrees of cardinal signs of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, um, you know, between zero and five, six degrees, this is going to be a significant time for your transit story because that means you're going through a Saturn transit right now. And uh, we can see things develop when the planet um, stations either retrograde or direct. So look out if you fit into that criteria. Um, And so Saturn has been retrograde since April 15th, internalizing the focus of our plans for long-term success. A lot of consolidation and recognition of our own limits has had to take place since that time, and most likely the days leading up to this station and the days proceeding are likely to bring a healthy dose of reality to our lives, especially with a grand earth trine happening as well. And since uh, Saturn is stationing direct in Capricorn, uh, and Capricorn is the sign of Saturn's nighttime domicile there, so it's very strong there, uh, we are very much focused on our material success and reputation in society. We are most likely mulling over our place within all that for the last handful of months, uh, with Saturn reminding us that it is always an inside job. You know, if you want to see success um, and have, you know, things material materialize on the outside, we just did a lot of the work to align inside in order to do that. And so our internal powers of endurance and foresight have been tested, asking that we get organized from within first so that we can execute the plans we have been formulating in the outer world uh, while Saturn is direct. And Saturn will be direct until, I believe, the spring of 2019. So um, things are shifting in that realm. Now, Mercury trines Saturn. So once again, uh, Mercury is that, because Mercury is making all types of uh, action this week with that little sweet sextile to Venus and then this grand Earth trine that's being initiated. And so once again, we're talking about those principles of um, learning, communicating, information, um, distributing things, uh, transactions, um, and even perception. Um, And trines are sudden and flowing and where things rapidly develop and all obstacles are removed for for good or bad. You know, the trine is a um, considered a a benefic aspect, you know, a, a harmonious aspect, but it's really only harmonious in its ability to like just get, you know, get it flowing. Um, and so just an FYI, if you're like, why isn't everything flowing the way I want? It is, but it you may not feel that way yet. So just, just a heads up on that. Um, and so to the trine, uh, that flowing to Saturn, Saturn is that structure, that responsibility, um, you know, consolidation, thinking about the long-term organization, you know, architecting things. And so a few weeks ago, we had our grand trine in Earth between the Sun, Saturn, and Uranus. And now Mercury comes around to take itself into the game. Mercury moved into Virgo the day prior, as I mentioned earlier, and wastes no time in getting to work on this earthly agenda. With the trine to Saturn and Saturn stationing for direct motion at the same time, the mental discipline and organized approach is certainly flowing, which I think is a wonderful thing, especially with the sun already having moved over this point, giving us the conscious awareness of what needs to be done. So use this time to get serious in your thinking and the plans you are laying in place for yourself. And if you've already have your map drawn up, now you can embrace the tasks responsibly and take those practical steps that are necessary in the real world um, while also communicating any matters of importance that is going to help further your agenda. 
Now, Mercury trying Uranus, uh, who is currently retrograde, once again, same Mercury flowing. And Uranus is more of these unexpected changes, these turnarounds, or where we're awakened to something, or we liberate ourselves from something, or the need for freedom. Um, and so sometimes Uranus can bring some shocks along. Um, and so... Now let's take all that I just mentioned with Mercury and Saturn and add in the that electric stimulation of Uranus into the mix. Um, and keep in mind, Uranus is retrograde, so maybe that stimulation is kind of um, happening on the inside more. And so mentally, we are very active, which I think we've already deduced <laughs> with what I've talked about. However, Virgo loves to fix problems and come up with solutions. So I think this is a time where that type of thinking can help us get clever about our approaches, possibly transitioning us out of any rigid ways and into a better and more sustainable way of doing things. I think the energy will be quite enlightening, and in fact, conversations with others may be quite lively as well today, introducing new material we were unaware of until this point. Whether this will be positive or negative depends upon your approach and willingness to try new things, because keep in mind, Uranus is in Taurus, which is known for its stubborn position at times. Um, But either way, the grand trine vibe is certainly tangible, happening in Earth signs. So do not be surprised if the material arena of life gets adjusted and consolidated rather quickly at this time. This energy will begin about midweek, leading us to our reality-inducing new moon in Virgo that is this week weekend. And so that was a lot for Thursday, but the bottom line is we are really feeling that Earth trine brewing, with Mercury being integral into the Saturn station. There may be some irritation first thing in the morning here in the U.S. with that opposition to uh, that feisty Mars. (laughs) Um, And then we also have that disruptive square from Uranus, uh, which might not make things easier per se. Um, And the direction of that Earth trine flow may begin with a bit of a shakeup, you know, to get that flow to go. Um, And Luna moves Moving into Leo may also add a little bit of a dramatic flair or like a little attention-seeking flair to the day um, with our emotional self seeking play more than work, you know, because Leo likes to play. Yet if we own that Leonin spirit of leadership, this can be a day to get some things on our to-do list done if we stick with the flow. Uh, and we may even see some recognition in the process. Now on Friday, the moon is uh, in right in there in Leo, and we'll make a square to Jupiter that day. And so the significant aspect that we have going on on Friday, and will mostly be felt throughout the week, is the sun making its yearly opposition to Neptune, who's currently retrograde in Pisces. Um, And so here we have the sun, you know, that our vitality, the self, uh, becoming conscious, you know, awareness, um, and a lot of times turning a page in some respects as we get that, uh, you know, as our consciousness levels up, so to speak. Um, And so an opposition is usually an outside force that is calling for a choice or a decision, or we're in a tug of war or indecision about something, but we can see a bird's eye view if we meet in the middle. Um, And Neptune, as uh, as you'll know in the later part of the program where I talk much more in detail about kind of Neptunian principles, uh, just to sum it up here, you know, there can be a nebulousness um, to this aspect where there could be some confusion or disillusion about something um, and a possibility of loss or needing to surrender. Uh, But at the same time, it can provide that spiritual inspiration um, that is needed. Uh, So 
there, you know, it can go either way and you might not be able to put your finger on it and that's just Neptune. <laughs> and so this transit comes at a very interesting time planetarily speaking since, you know, I just talked about all that practical energy and getting down to the earthly realities of life that, you know, a Saturn station and a grand trine in Earth would bring. Um, yet we have this Neptune opposition. Um, and when any planet contacts Neptune, there can be a murky uncertainty that arises where the clear-cut lines of reality become blurred, leading to confusion. This can certainly happen at a time like this, particularly if you are a rather Neptunian personality. However, the dreamer in me wants to look at this transit, um, particularly as the moon squares Jupiter, as us confronting the doubt that we carry in regards to the practical realities that accompany our ability to manifest our dreams. If the Earth trine energy starts to show the holes in your plan, this can be an awakening of where you may have been deceiving yourself via idealism, because Neptune deals with the ideal as well. Because it's easy to dream, yet the hard work that goes into the grand vision is another thing in its entirety. On the other hand, this can be a time where you become conscious to your spiritual directive and the fog clears through the light of the sun to bring you closer to the practical realization of an ideal. Either way, there's likely to be a dreamy and mystical vibe floating in and out um, of all this kind of down-to-earth energy we got going in, going on. And so things may not be as clear as you think they are, and deception via others or the shadow self can be very real at this time. Yet the inspiration from a spiritual nudging can be just as real if you're willing to open yourself up to the uncertainty of where it can all lead you. Shall you choose to put the work in? Because that's very important. And so the bottom line for Friday is this is likely to be a rather dreamy or spiritual day, and you may have felt those Neptunian vibes brewing the days prior. It sure is an interesting week with many conflicting energies. Uh, So pay attention, though, to any dreams you had the night prior, or even this week in general, as they could give you some otherworldly insight into your worldly predicaments. Energy may be a little low today, and our judgment can seesaw between sound and fantastical. So listen for Spirit's call, as this is one of the best days to see through the veil. Now, on Saturday, we have the moon in Leo, and then she will move to Virgo uh, in the morning time. And on the way, we'll sextile Venus, trine Uranus, trine Saturn, and conjunct Mercury. So that grand Earth trine is triggered and flowing today. Um, However, we do have Venus squaring Mars on Saturday. Um, And so once again, Venus, that principle of relating, you know, sociability, uh, harmony, seduction, um, is being challenged uh, or called into action um, in the square to Mars, who is our our drive, um, uh, which could be the sex drive, or, you know, how we focus our action, uh, where we may have uh, levels of anger um, that are there, or irritation. And so when Venus and Mars meet in a hot and heavy square, this can certainly be the time for some bow chicka bow wow as they say, <laughs> uh, to put it ever so tastefully. Um, But be aware that attraction is likely to be up at this time and the day preceding. So uh, just know that, especially if you aren't with someone and the eye starts to wander. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just the stars, people. <laughs> just kidding. Um, however, there is another side to the story as we have to take into account for the friction of the square. And yes, I'm talking about a different kind of friction, so don't get your minds out of the gutter. <laughs> um, so when Venus and Mars meet in a tense aspect, this can be a time of discord within our relationships when hidden tensions can come up to be exposed and worked through. Um, and it doesn't matter what type of relationship we're talking about, really anything involving two people with their own values and agendas coming together in what can be a clashing moment. There is the potential likelihood to this, I think, since this square is happening at the tested 29th degree of Libra for Venus and Capricorn for Mars, and is likely to provide some foreshadowing into our Venus retrograde transit that will be happening in October. So look to the themes around this time period based on your attraction and your drive, and take note as you could see a larger story developing down the line. Both planets are in dignified signs in relation to their functions, so look for a practical approach to bringing any conflict back into harmony. And so the bottom line for Saturday is our grand earth trine is getting triggered by the moon right before tomorrow's new moon conjunction, bringing the flow of practical earth energy to the forefront. Relationship dynamics heat up and our nitpicky sides may come out, as speaking our minds will come ever so easily as the moon conjuncts Mercury. Sharing the reality of how you feel may be on offer, yet I think if we just get out of, you know, what we need to, there can be a spirit of cooperation in the end. Uh, And if you're feeling restless, this is a wonderful day to tackle any maintenance or organizational jobs that need your attention. A house can get real spiffy real fast on a day like today. Um, Now, after a long week, here we make it to Sunday, where we have our new moon at 17 degrees Virgo. Um, And the moon will also make an opposition to Neptune. Uh, Of course, we'll conjunct the sun, because that's what the new moon is, about 11.01 here Pacific time in in the a.m. Make a sextile to Jupiter, and then a trine to Pluto. And so, of course, we have the new moon going on, but we also have Venus who moves into Scorpio today. So she's crossed that Libra threshold and goes into the dark waters of Scorpio. And so the uh, already partnership-associated Venus is moving from one relationship sign to another. She's shifting from that airy sociability and fair diplomacy of her Libran domicile and into the deep waters of the sign of her nighttime detriment, which is Scorpio. So you can consider beauty queen Venus to be getting somewhat of a gothic makeover as she steps into the emotional depth that lies in this sign. As I mentioned earlier about Venus going retrograde in October, this shift from Libra to Scorpio is going to be felt three times as Venus does her retrograde dance. Um, So take notes for later because you could see, like I said earlier, that story developing. And Venus can be rather destructive in this sign as her seductive qualities can turn into manipulation or the creative yet destructive quality of Scorpio can annihilate relationships that have run their course uh, and sometimes prematurely. So there's somewhat of a reconstruction that happens in partnerships while in this sign as we get in touch with our shared resources with others and how relationships need to mutate in order to grow and strengthen. And I do believe we will see some of these themes while Venus has her stay in the sign of the Scorpion. She will dance between the two signs and won't officially leave Scorpio until January 7th of 2019. 
Now, as far as our new moon um, at 17 degrees Virgo, uh, so with all the aspects I just ran through, you can see the type of energy that is setting up the signature of the coming lunar month as we have our luminary conjunction in the sign of the Virgin. I think there will be a clearing of energy that happens as Virgo is known for the skill of cutting the wheat from the chaff. The sun is on the way to trine Pluto, which was very integral in the uh, new moon solar eclipse and cancer that we had back in July. So I feel as if a part of what we are encountering um, or what we've encountered or decided around that time will begin to flow and change, uh, will begin to be evident in the earthly realm. Um, So I kind of see some linkage between those two new moons. We are also on approach to the final Mars-Uranus square, which will not be uh, here until after the first quarter moon on September 18th. But I have a feeling that we will, you know, that energy will be very much uh, at play in the vibe that we encounter um, with the, you know, the fiery full moon in Aries that will be here before we know it, because that will be our full moon this month. So in lieu of the current mutable energy, changes in the air. There are still additional layers and a fascinating Sabian symbol for which I am keeping for my upcoming New Moon article on my astro blog. So look out for that um, soon to learn more about the details. Um, And if you want it to come to you, you can sign up for my mailing list at energeticprinciples.com to be alerted to its arrival and other things I have going on. So you can find that at the bottom of my homepage at energeticprinciples.com. And so the bottom line for Sunday is the new moon perfects midday here in the U.S., and there's likely to be a quiet vibe in the air. Dreams and daydreams may come uh, yet again this morning, so be sure to write any down to get some insight into your inner world. This is a wonderful time to make a list of new moon intentions, as Virgo loves a good list. So look into the future and the changes you would like to make for yourself and set your eyes on the next steps of your intended sequence of events. Put the final details to your plan in place and let yourself envision the reality you'd like to see for yourself going forward. All right, so to wrap it up here, uh, I guess my uh, saying ding, that's correct. (laughs) Uh, We are wrapping things up this week, uh, as is the case with any waning down of a moon cycle. Yet there is bound to be a lot of activity to stimulate things to completion or to get them in their right place. There may be a few bumps in the road, and life at times can move from confusing to inspirational, so just go with the flow with the best of intentions and see things through. We are in a transition phase of the year, so look at this time as a changing of the tides. All right, so let's take a look at the cards this week because I think they add another little, uh, you know, interpretation on top, but I think it actually goes rather well. And so this week I... Uh, pulled the sun as the focus in the page of cups as the grounding. Uh, And with the sun as the focus, illumination is the name of the game this week as we move ever towards enlightenment and growth. We are likely to feel the sun's rays upon us as we do what we can to increase our overall happiness and success in life, while also becoming more secure and clear on our positions. This bodes well as an omen of conscious awareness this week. And with the Page of Cups as the grounding, you couldn't ask for a better card to pair with the Sun as we have the Sun-Neptune opposition this week. Um, And so the illumination that I just spoke of is likely to come in the form of creative inspiration 
or a heightened intuition that allows us to clearly know something we weren't aware of before. Um, And this can also be the card of the dreamer or the idealist or the sensitive soul who lives in that Neptunian realm of fantasy, which may indicate the sun will be shining light into our ideals and the difficulty that staying grounded in reality can bring. So open up and listen for the message that spirit has for you while finding compassion for yourself and the process along the way. And so last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the chameleon. This old world lizard is here to remind us to stay in the background and adapt to the situations in our lives rather than trying to direct the course of events. Uh, If we think about the chameleon, it too has a Neptunian quality to it, as it can shift its colors at any time to easily blend into the background, which can be an excellent tactic if a predator has its eyes fixated on you, or if you yourself are hunting some prey and wish to go unnoticed until the time is right to strike. So take a piece of advice from this uniquely beautiful creature and do your best to be present with whatever comes your way to this week. You'll gain greater clarity uh, and certainty over time with which to act. But for now, go with the flow um, in pure mutable fashion um, of this grand trine as there's no stopping to interject that motion. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how that will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Um, For only $6 a month, you can sign up for a weekly custom spread that I create based on the placements of the planets um, that will allow you to kind of use tarot to uh, blend it with astrology to get a more uh, personal insight into the energy of the week that I am sharing. And so every Sunday, I released this um, in a short video outlining the spread um, and encourage any sharing of the cards or the questions you might have. Um, And it's really just an enlightening process. And I've been doing it myself for quite some time um, and really getting a lot out of it. And I have some solid patrons that can say the same as well. And so we would love to have you. Um, And so last week we worked on finding peace with tension. And this week we'll be working on laying down a lasting foundation. So if you would like to find out more, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so excited to welcome this week's guest, Cassie Pinner. So thank you so much for being here. Hello, thank you for having me. And so Cassie is a local here in San Diego. I know you haven't been here forever, but um, <laughs> you have been here for the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Um, and we were able to meet online through some mutual interests um, and got together for a little chat. And we, you know, I thought she would be perfect to bring on this week, especially since we're focusing on um, Neptune's journey, since we have a Sun-Neptune opposition this week. Um, So Neptune's journey, opening the gate to spiritual understanding. And I uh, didn't even realize how kind of perfect Cassie's story would be, or like part of her stories. We all have our own story. (laughs) Um, But it, it felt very perfect. So I'm glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Sure. So, um, I am a Reiki practitioner and 
I guess a new addition to my title is intuitive healer. <laughs> um, and I'm the founder of Manifest Reiki and Herbs. Nice. And so you moved here to San Diego not too long ago, right? You're originally from the East Coast? Yeah, I'm originally from New York. Um, and I moved here from Boston because I like to move around um, just about two years ago. Nice. I always love yeah. Boston. That's like one of the few places in the U.S. I've been to several times. I just always loved it there for some reason. Um, yeah, it's nice, but the like five or six months of winter is can really change you. Yeah, they, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's novelty loses itself a bit. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I remember one time I went there for um, some type of. Uh, I was, I was in college and I went to go visit a friend and I I had packed a pair of shoes. I packed one pair of shoes and they happened to have a hole in it, like a crack and I didn't know it. And it was like January, like the dead of winter. And it was, it was a wet, soggy trip for my feet. Yeah. Did you Um, buy new shoes over there? I did. Well, I ended up buying some New Balance because I know New Balance, I think they have like a headquarters or something or like they had some type of I think that brand was rather big in the East. I mean, this late nineties, it's all a blur to me now. Um, but I did end up buying those, but I had to suffer like a good solid, you know, four days before that opportunity came. <laughs> so wow. yes, it was, um, yeah, a test of one's endurance. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, like every winter there. That's yeah. Like, you got it. You got the big picture with your shoes. Yes. And then I was done. I was like, okay, well, experience that. <laughs> So San Diego has to be much uh, different for you then. (laughs) Yeah, it is different. I mean, I do find the, um, it's kind of funny because it's opposite. Like I find myself hiding inside when it's super hot. Mm. Um, You know, like I, like everyone hides inside there when it's all winter. So I think I just find that I really don't like any sort of extreme weather. I just want fall like 365 days. Ah, I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) It's it's funny because San Diego used to be like that, but now that we've got that's what everyone says, yeah, and all that. Yeah, when I first moved here, it was like I moved here in two thousand, and it was um, it was a solid seventy every day, every day, uh, every day. Oh, so heavenly, dreamy, <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, the world <laughs> be a changing. Yeah. Um. So speaking of changes with worlds. <laughs> So we're going to start today's uh, guest talk with with a story because I think that uh, Cassie has some interesting uh, <clears throat> life stories to share in relation to kind of our Neptune flavor of the week. Um, and just being in, you know, this more spiritual vibe that we're obviously res- resonating at, you know, like we talk about things that are not necessarily tangible to outer reality. <laughs> and I think that's going to be the theme of the show. So let's start with your so- story, Cassie, uh, about um, the ca- catechismic rejection. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> so okay, that's a... That would be such a crazy book title. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So if people don't know what catechism is, um, it is basically when you go to like Catholic class. Well, not not Catholic. It's actually cla- cla- Catholic, but I don't know if you would call it class. But um, once a week you go like every Monday night and you learn about Catholicism and the Bible and stuff for a couple hours every week. Um and you're doing that, I think, for from like second grade, because that's when you make your communion. Um, and then eighth grade is your when you get confirmed. I keep going to do this because I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> who knows what's real. 
Um, <laughs> She's using um, quotes for our listeners on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, in eighth grade, you're supposed to get confirmed and that's when you're done with catechism, the whole, the whole thing. And you're like a real Catholic or something. Um, <laughs> so in eighth grade, I was in class and things just weren't making a lot of sense to me. And I, I raised my hand and asked, you know, how do I, how do I really know that there's a God kind of looking for like a user manual, like something to make more sense. Like, um, basically how do I know something's there if I can't see it? How do I have faith? I really was in an eighth graders way, you know, trying to understand faith. I can say it so eloquently now being not in eighth grade anymore, but (laughs) yeah. So I asked that and, um, they couldn't answer me and they got upset that I kept asking. I think they answered me in a way that like didn't satisfy me. And I was like, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, can you please say it another way or something? Which I actually still say to people when I don't understand something. (laughs) Um, So long story short, I got kicked out of that class. And it's funny because everyone came up to me after all my classmates and they were like, I feel the same way. It doesn't make sense. I'm confused. You know, so that was kind of like a, okay, I'm not a freak or something, you know, there's like something missing here that they're not explaining that we want to understand. And we really do want to believe and have faith. Um, but yeah, so then I had to have a meeting with the Monsignor, which is like the head of the church, the parish. Um, and my mom was there. She had to be present Mm. and he just asked me, so you don't believe in God. Is that right? And I said, I guess not because they couldn't answer my questions. And then he sent me out of the door and that was kind of it. And that was when my mom, my mom has told me since then, um, that that was the first time she kind of realized like who I was ish. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that story, Cassie, because, well, first let's, uh, for those of you who, uh, have the astrological bent like myself, uh, she is a Virgo rising. So (laughs) of course you're looking for the practical side of life, reality, you know, you want to understand it at a tangible level. And I think it's interesting too, with that story, um, because both Cassie and I were born at a time when Neptune was in, um, Sagittarius. And Cassie just happened to be born when the South Node was conjunct Neptune as well, um, which is very interesting to a life story. And especially in Sagittarius being more like, uh, you know, seeker of truth, um, you know, that, that seemed ingrained in your story to question those things. And not to get an answer, because I think it, I think it was just important that you didn't get an answer. Then, well, A, because there is no answer. (laughs) It's not not an answerable question. So it was a little bit of a catch-22, it seemed like, because you're like, okay, I need you to explain this to me better. But he's like, I can't, so bye. Like, (laughs) because he's kind of, you know, following those same, um, those those same beliefs. And that's where I think Neptune is so important um, here is because Neptune is the principle that we can't really put our finger on right? Just like you were saying, that faith-based, um, you know, I want to understand, but I really never will on a tangible level. Um, so what do I do? (laughs) So what, what did you do after that? Like, I mean, where, I know that's important to your personal journey to where you are today. So what happened after that? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can guess I became an atheist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and just because I, 
if there was no answer, then I couldn't really partake in that, you know? Mm. Um, I became an atheist, but I was also like in and out of being agnostic, calling myself agnostic. And then um, I had little periods of my life, actually, I didn't tell you this, where I would like secretly, this is kind of weird, <laughs> but I would secretly like, I would tell my um, family that, wow, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I would tell my family that I was going to my friend's house and I would go to church. Oh my goodness. Because I like, I still wanted it, but I don't know. I just couldn't make sense of it. So yeah, I was, I was an atheist. I was agnostic. I was like a wild child, you know? Um, and yeah, then when I graduated high school and I went to college, I majored in psychology, which Mm. makes sense with this part of the story too, I feel like, which I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, I'm just like obsessed with figuring things out. Um, especially people. So yeah, I, I got the bachelor's in psychology and then I went into work in the field, um, with clients for a whopping four months because I didn't like the bureaucracy of it. Um, (laughs) like the rules didn't make sense to me. I I would have done it differently. You know, I always have like something to say about the higher structure. (laughs) Um, and then, um, you know, I moved around. I did a lot of different things, but then I went to, I did an one year of an MFA program in poetry because I was like, I always knew that I, my mission was to help people. Like that was not unclear to me at any point. I always knew that I had something to share. I had something to say. I had like, um, you know, the teachers when I was little would tell my mom you're that I would mediate arguments between other students. So there was always like this thing that I didn't know, like the avenue that would take me to be able to help people, but it was always there. Um, so yeah, I thought, oh, let me be a counselor. And then I was like, you know, for more reasons than the bureaucracy, but that was a part of it. And then I did the MFA and then I quit in the middle because of a million reasons again, but the bureaucratic system, I was like, I don't want to teach poetry to, First of all, I don't know if I believe in the university system anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> in it's... general, like I really did when I graduated, you know, but then like I think seven years passed between when I started my MFA and when I graduated. And I graduated in 07, so it was right before the recession. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, there was that. I don't know if I believe in the university system or is it like a scam or um, do I only want to help people that have access to this college? No. You know, um, so then I got really into like, oh, I want to teach poetry in jail. I want to teach poetry in, um, I'm serious. Yeah, I believe you. That's <laughs> I want- <laughs> okay, very I want- Pisces Virgo because you're a Pisces son too. So yeah. it seems very, that's service oriented, you know, <laughs> helping the downtrodden. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't want to teach these rich kids who can afford this private college or whatever. I was like, I want to go because this, you know, poetry to me is really transformative. I mean, any art, any art making is really transformative. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of spiritual, I guess. I never thought about it like that, but, or I never said that, but it's spiritual. So it was the same way that I feel about what I do now. Like I want to bring this to everyone and just figure out how to do that. So, but I didn't wind up doing that because of the bureaucracy of it. And yeah, I quit the program. <laughs> so here we are back again at that same type of like, uh, you know, working within the framework because I liked when Cassie and I were talking about catechism because the funny thing is not having grown up in the church myself or even as the weekend 
church warrior because we were t- we were just talking about that. I was because I was like, did your family were they really religious? And you were like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, they weren't. Um, I know there's co- something called like a Sunday Catholic, I think, um, and my family wasn't even that. We. I only went to church when I had to do it for catechism, like as part of school. Yes. And so that's what I found interesting because I had never even like having not been a part of any of that myself. Like I was like, what's catechism? Is that like cataclysm? (laughs) And she's all, no. Um, And then I look up the definition and it's, uh, it says a summary of the principles of Christian religion in the form of questions and answers used for the instruction of Christians. Um, also a series of fixed questions, answers, or precepts used for instruction in other situations. So I found it very interesting that, you know, the, the fixity of it all and how, you know, quite, you know, there were only certain questions that could be asked and certain questions that could be answered. Um, and you asked a question that essentially didn't have an answer and required more of that Neptunian um, you know, faith and looking at your own belief system to really figure out. Uh, what that means for you. And that guy couldn't tell you because he probably still had to, he was worked in that same, you know, catechism, you know, get them in, get them out, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. And, and I mean, from the definition, it's like, there was no plan to answer a question that was outside of the exactly. outline of questions, I guess, you know, but it is also really interesting from the other perspective that questions and answers is in the definition of it. And my whole story like pivots on a question. Yeah. That didn't get an answer. Yeah. (laughs) And which is funny. And it's, and I love how you snuck out to go to church. That, that makes me smile. I know. I kind of forgot about that, but I did do that for, I think, I think when I was like around 19. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it calls to you. Like my only, my only true experience with the church personally, because I grew up in a family that like my mom, I believe went to Catholic school. Um, but by the time I, you know, I came around, there was none of that going on. Um, and so that's the same for me, my mom went to Catholic school also. Really? And so that yeah. probably says a lot about, you know, how our parents were raised too. And then kind of how it, it you know, transcends unto us, however, which way it does. Um, and times change. And so we are a reflection of our own personal time. But I remember when I was, I think it was seventh grade. Uh, at that time, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. And I had uh, two neighbors. I had a neighbor from New York, actually. Uh, it was two, two little girls, one a year older than me, one a year younger. Um, and they went to church every weekend. And I was kind of jealous. I was like, where, where are you going? You're getting all dressed up. You're going somewhere. I'm like, take me with you. And so they started to take me with them. Um, and, and I just liked the, you know, the ritual of it all and the, and how everyone looked nice. And then I liked the learning aspect of it. So I took, you know, I went into their Bible classes, a few of them. And so I decided, I was like, I'm going to get baptized. I made this like my own <laughs> decision as, you know, like 11 year old girl that I was like, I'm going to get baptized. And so I sit down with the, the pastor or whoever it was, that's, that's how much I know, uh, who was in charge <laughs> of this whole thing. And he's asking me questions like, why do you want this? You know, what do you get? You know, and apparently my, his questions and my answers were not good enough because he was like, oh, I think you should really consider this because he could see that 
my motivation for wanting to do it, uh, wanting to join in and be part of it was a little different than I think what they were looking for in, in a follower per se. Like I just wanted to be part of the group, <laughs> which was, oh, you know, that's so sweet. And I don't think, I think you should have been baptized. Yes. Well, I feel like there was a reason I wasn't <laughs> Yeah, and that's okay. You know, like I, if anything, it was kind of like yourself in that in that moment where I walked away from that conversation, just questioning it a little bit, like, you know, what, what was it about me that didn't really uh, necessarily, uh, uh, you know, uh, apply or to, you know, baptism or what they thought would be, or like, what would be, because I think he was alluding to the fact that I needed to be more serious about the whole matter in order to have it done. So yeah, no, it was just it was just interesting, and to think that I, you know, I on my own whim, I wanted to be a part of this. Like it wasn't because most people, like yourself, like you're saying, you know, you were kind of you're guided in by the family for whatever reason. Where yeah. I was like not, and my, even my mom was like, "Why are you going to church? <laughs> what are you doing?" Um, yeah, but I think that's even more reason why you should have been allowed to because you can't like it wasn't prescribed to you; it was your of your own volition. So yeah. that really says something too. Yes, it does. And so here we are on the other, we're, we're kind of meeting in the same place, but on other sides in, in a way. Um, yeah. and I mean, that's okay. I'm, I'm totally, I did not need to be baptized to find, uh, <laughs> to find spirit or find God or, you know, however that. I just don't like the denying of people wanting to be a part of it. Yes. Well, exactly. And that speaks against uh, the Neptunian principle and one that you were telling me earlier that you're all about. And that's that Piscean, compassion, right? Lead with compassion. Yeah. That's the, the first rule of life, my life. And then the second rule, rule, quotation <laughs> marks, is um, speak your truth. Speak yeah. your truth. And so that's kind of where we're leading with the whole truth thing here, as far as the story is concerned. And I'm going to uh, segue into some Neptunian, you know, uh, background information um, because Neptune, and we're getting a dose of that this week when you're listening to this because we have a Sun-Neptune opposition. So it's our yearly, having a having an across-the-pond look to this Neptune where we're able to get like kind of take it in more consciously. And Neptune is just about that. It's like the our belief systems that we, you know, encounter through our own perception of life and our imagination. And then, you know, little things we've been taught around the way, because, you know, Mercury really works with that kind of intellectual processing and going back and forth with something in our mind. But a lot of how we perceive things actually lies in Neptune land because, you know, we all heard the term rose-colored glasses, right? You know, like that idealism in life. And essentially we make decisions based on our beliefs, which are in turn like a filter that we wear on, you know, based on, so we can't really put our finger on that or say something is morally right or morally wrong. I mean, some things are more obviously the case, but it's all leading to our own perception of things and how we look at life. And if we're looking at things more clearly, if you have more of that earth energy and you're down to earth and that reality, or if you're looking at things with that, you know, that more dreamy Neptunian Piscean vibe. And so I find you perfect, Cassie, because you work in both realms, right? Yeah. I prefer one over the other, but I, I am forced to work in both. (laughs) Which one do you prefer? Do you like the Pisces? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's more fun. 
Yeah, it is. It is because if anything, it takes, uh, well, it's more fun because it takes the levity out, out of, of, you know, or is that the word I was looking for? Gravity? I'm looking for some word, but it takes that, you know, like the reality of life away a little bit, which can be at times a little bit much, you know, like they, they don't call it harsh reality for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes. Okay. So I'm going to break away into a Neptune story. This is the story of Neptune. Uh, just because I found it very interesting about, you know, cause they say when a planet is discovered or at least these outer planets, because the outer planets, uh, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, um, were, are not planets that we can see with our naked eye. And so that's what makes them a little bit different because all the planets through Saturn or, you know, the luminaries, which we call planets, we can see those, you know, at different times of the year, depending on the sky's rotation and all that. And so I found the discovery of Neptune very interesting. And um, I'm reading... or I'm referencing Stephen Forrest's uh, The Book of Neptune. If you have a chance, check that out because it's pretty fascinating, I have to say. But, you know, I just assumed that, you know, Neptune was discovered in the mid-1800s and blah, 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 and aligned with a lot of things. But I didn't realize how long it actually took for Neptune to be discovered. And it really plays into the actual um, myth and the archetype that surrounds uh, Neptune energy. And so, okay, so here's how it goes. (laughs) So actually the first person to ever see Neptune was Galileo um, back in 1612 because he had discovered um, uh, the four major moons of Jupiter. And so he was tracking the the large moons of Jupiter. And at that time, he actually... um, had the first observation of Neptune based on Neptune's orbit at that particular time. It was lining up with the moons of Jupiter and the moons there. I think there was some type of conjunction going on. And he, you know, the the bright man he was, uh, he thought it was a fixed star. And so he just kind of like, you know, put it out there like, uh, I don't need to pay attention to that. Um, And then the next time he mapped it out a few days later or like a week or so later, the fixed star had moved, which would have told him that it's not a fixed star, right? Um, But because of the beliefs of his time, in, in his time, he they didn't think there were any planets past Saturn. If I can't see it, it doesn't exist, right? And so even though he had the evidence, he discovered it. He he would have saw it move if he believed it. His belief system was not there to even um, entertain the idea that there was a planet beyond the scope of the reality that people knew. So I found that very interesting because that was 234 years before Neptune was actually discovered. So there's like a gray area there. And so then in 1821, uh, there was a French astronomer named Alex Bouvard who uh, was watching the orbit of Uranus because at that point, Uranus had been discovered about 40 years prior. And um, he was noticing that there was something unusual about Uranus's orbit, which really speaks to Uranus. You know, Uranian ideas are usually unusual and different. Um, And he knew that it was the another planet's gravitational pull that was kind of, uh, or not another planet, but just some type of moving body was interacting with it um, to create that, you know, weird orbit. But he didn't know what it was, you know? And so there, again, we have something that's invisible that is interacting with us, but he couldn't put his finger on it. He couldn't prove it. He knew it 
but he still couldn't prove it to reality. <laughs> and so then in 1843, we're now getting closer to someone finally, you know, getting there. Um, there was a British uh, astronomer, John Couch Adams. I think you say Couch. Uh, could be Cooch, who knows. Um, <laughs> he was also doing the same thing. He was uh, looking at the errors of Uranus's orbit. Um, and he was like, something's got to be there. And so he's honing in on what is that? And so he reached out to the, uh, the royal astronomer, um, Sir George Airy, and told him, you know, what was going on. And so Airy was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And was like, okay, well, send me more uh, information. Send me, you know, the details. And then this guy Adams just happened to forget to send the letter. Just didn't, spaced on it, didn't send it out, which is another very Neptunian type of thing where, you know, you, you never get to it, just kind of spaces. <laughs> like maybe he sent it in his dreams. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like he, it, in those times of days, we didn't have like a receipt from the post office or anything that, like that. It was more like, did I send it? I think I sent it. I can't remember. Maybe yeah. I did. You know, and that's kind of a thing with Neptune too. You know, it's, it's fuzzy. You don't quite know. And so here you have, once again, this is the third attempt and Neptune is still elusive, <laughs> right? Um, and so in 1846, 45, 46, uh, then we had a Frenchman, another Frenchman, Ur- Urban Le Verrier, who was doing the same work as Adams and he was coming to the same conclusions based on Uranus's orbit. Um, and he's really honing in on it. And so he, uh, sent word to the Berlin observatory to take a look. And at that point, Airy in Britain was like, Oh wait, two people are onto this. I need to look. And so everyone was on it at the same time. And later that day, the same day that they actually got Le Verrier's letter in the mail in Berlin on September 23rd, 1846, Neptune was discovered that night in that, in that evening. Um, and so it took so much to get there and so much, illusion and thinking it's real, but it's not actually real yet. Um, and even then after that, they disputed who actually discovered it because that was unclear too. So the bottom line with Neptune's story is that, you know, it's, it's fuzzy. It eluded us. It, it was there, but we couldn't prove it. You know, it's like all these things that have to do with Neptune. So I just found that that was long, but I found that fascinating. (laughs) No, I love that. It, it speaks a lot to what I do now. And so many ideas too, like uh, Galileo, when you were talking about him seeing it and kind of uh, intuitively knowing something or not seeing it, but or whatever, you know, intuitively knowing something was going on, but just not having the capacity to go beyond what could have been real to him. Yeah. Um, that to me triggers thinking about like positive thinking, you know, and how, uh, I mean, a million things you already said too, like our perception, right? We're all uh, maneuvering around in the world with our own filter mm-hmm. that we couldn't ever explain to someone else that would like fully because it's our filter and we're experiencing everything so differently from each other. I mean, we're all connected and we're all one too, but just for the sake of what we're talking about. Um, yeah, it's just really fascinating to me yeah. and it applies to like everything spiritual, right? I mean, Oh, no, I like that I, move. That, I like that hand move. That was my, that was my air traffic controller <laughs> move. I was like, yes, Cassie, continue on this path. You're on to something. Um, well, you, you were going to talk about the, how in 
our society, that was the time of the spiritualist movement, right? Well, yes, because if we look at, yes, I guess I was leading to that point because, you know, if we looked at Uranus, when Uranus was discovered, that's the time we had the French and the American revolution and revolutionary qualities and, you know, people were rebellion, rebelling. Um, And Pluto was discovered. That's when, you know, the Freudian uh, movement started of the unconscious and going beneath and, you know, diving deep within those type of uh, darker realms. Um, And so for Neptune, even though it took a while for it to get discovered, which is so perfect. Um, it also coincided, it coincided with some interesting things actually in the 1840s. Um, first of all, I want to say that when it was discovered for the astrologers out there, it was, um, when Neptune was in Aquarius and it was conjunct Saturn. And I found that so perfect because Saturn is the planet that brings us back down to reality, right? It's always, it's looking, it's, it's interesting because Saturn brings us to that reality point, but at the same time, it's kind of that Neptunian question of what is reality. And if, if you know, what we take seriously and deem as real, that Saturn principle is not always necessarily the case. Um, but I thought it was so perfect on like kind of a, you know, just the, the two meeting that Neptune had been elusive for so long. And then finally Saturn kind of caught it in its reality net and was like, okay, come on, you're coming down to earth. <laughs> We're bringing you to the people. Um, And so I liked that little, uh, just little nugget of uh, interest. Um, But yes, so uh, some little things that happened that year before we get into the spiritualist movement, because that was very much the big thing to me, the big big connector. (laughs) But even like little things, like the same year Neptune was discovered um, around that time, that was the first time a patient was given ether as an anesthetic surgery or for her wow. anesthetic surgery. So if you think about being able to be put under and not to feel things and kind of taken out of reality so you can have that, uh, that actually changed the scope of medicine um, in, you know, anesthetic regards. So can I just tell you something? Yes, please. Um, I know we're going to talk about this later, the tea that I make. Um, but on the label, I, I chose to write, um, you know, brew, enjoy, and float into the ether. Ah, that's what is on the label. Ah, I love it. So Neptune is that. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's perfect. And so people were floating into the ether. They're probably thankful. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was very interesting at that time. Um, also, that time was when the gold rush started. And people had the dream of getting rich, you know, rich and finding the, you know, this... They didn't know where it was going to be. You know, they had to go on the faith of going out West and like figuring, you know, and doing the work, you know, that (laughs) the work to try to find this, but it wasn't a guarantee, right? It was essentially a dream. Yeah. Like life became more um, fantastical and like uh, quest related, right? Yeah. That's, that's a good way of looking at it as well. Um, Or even something as, I mean, this is kind of, is kind of interesting. (laughs) Um, Poor sanitation actually created a cholera epidemic, which killed thousands of people, which is unfortunate. Um, But a lot of times Neptune is associated with those kind of deaths, especially death by disease um, and how things, you know, things spread, right? There was kind of no stopping it. And, And I found it funny. There was like a little antidote to that story where some people believe it's God's punishment. Oh God. I know. So, oh that. God, as you say. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. But it really falls in line to what we're saying again, too. The punishment or the, uh, you know, the belief system that leads to think something happens for a certain reason. Or like, I don't like punishment. Something. 
Yeah. And, and none of us do. None of us want to be punished. Um, but it's so interesting how many, how many people, um, align with that. And that's actually really funny. You say that Cassie, because the, so basically around this time, right after Neptune was discovered in the 1840s, it actually moved into Pisces not too long after. And that's where it is right now. Um, and the last time it was there was in the 1800s. So, you know, we haven't had this again. And right when Neptune moved into Pisces, um, there was a a pastor or a priest that wrote a book. um, What if, I think it was called, What If There Isn't a Hell or something along those lines. And he was, I wish I knew the title right now, but he was basically saying that he was questioning that exact thing you said. I don't want punishment. You know, like, I don't want to be punished. And so finally, you know, this, this spiritual man, this man of God was coming out to say that, hey, I don't think hell is real. And I think we, you know, we may have been like kind of duped into this guilt, which, you know, is very a Piscean type of thing. And oh my God. When did that book come out? It came out when Neptune moved into Pisces. So it must've been about 2011-ish. Okay. Um, I'll try to find it in my, my setup here, but I think it's called, is there... Um, oh gosh, of course I can <laughs> well, You can write it out. You can like put it in the notes or something. There like. we go. I'll throw it in my blog, my blog yeah. article, because I found that rather fascinating, but okay. So lead full, full circle back around to the spiritualist movement. What I was trying to get to this whole time. <laughs> um, and that happened, started in the 1840s and especially with the Fox sisters who, um, kind of got it started where, essentially spiritualist movement, at least in that time, had to do with um, a, a medium being in connection with the spiritual realm to where they could talk to the dead and go to that other side type of thing, uh, which Cassie will then share her story here in a little bit. But um, that actually took over the world. You know, it started in, I think it started in the U.S. It moved to Britain. It, it affected people on the, the lower uh, classes it affected or it was brought to the royal courts like this people took spiritualism um you know seriously and there was a lot of fraud going on at that time there i'm sure there's a lot of people that were doing it and they were like legit you know um and then there are other people that were taking people's faith on this and just being deceived um and so i found that very interesting um and we might be back there again because I know there's been a spiritual uh, movement in the last handful of years where, you know, I see it all the time with astrologers. I was just reading a feed online earlier today about like, there's so many people claiming to be this. How do we, you know, you know, make a system that deciphers like who's legit and, you know, all this stuff. And so we're back again to the same type of spiritualist principle where we're trying to figure out who's the fraud, who's the real deal. And um, I think that has a lot to do with Neptune and Pisces. But I digress. <laughs> wow. Wait, I have a question. Claiming to be what? Psychic or medium or? Um, and, uh, claiming to be, well, because, you know, there's a lot that goes into astrology or, or tarot, but a lot in astrology because it can be a very technical um, profession. And so because it's always been kind of this, you know, kind of spiritual under the radar, you know, it's never been accredited by science or anything like that. It, it, it lives under underground in this underbelly, but at the same time, it's so many people are gravitating towards it now that they're looking for that kind of Saturnian rule-based, uh, you know, system to come in and be able to be like, okay, well, who, 
who is accredited, who, you know, like much like degrees are, you know. Um, and so I just found that interesting because everybody was like, how do we fix this? And in my mind, I'm just thinking Neptune and Pisces, here we are. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, well, I have a couple of ideas. Like for the first time ever, I saw an astrologer post on Instagram the other day, um, something about like, yeah, do you think astrology is fake? Like, you don't know what you're looking at. Like have an astrologer read your, your chart, you know? And that was the first time that I ever thought, wow, you know, kind of what you're saying, like people are now speaking up or yearning for it being kind of like, you know, an accredited thing. Or, um, I don't know if she wrote that because, um, like you're saying, it's coming back to the center of, uh, our society. Like it was last time Pisces was in Neptune. Neptune and Pisces. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And then also, it's really interesting that people want, this is a side note, and let me not take us off course, so just put me back. But, <laughs> um, it's interesting that like an accreditation is important, right? As our like university system is falling apart. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Why would that be the thing that we went to like to get, to make it accredited? You know? Oh, I love it. Maybe I... we should like instead fa- like believe, like um, turn back to intuition and nature instead of a piece of paper that says, yes, I'm an astrologer or I'm a this, you know? Yeah. I, I, I agree with your two cents and it's, it's kind of a catch 22 because if you think about it, there are a lot of astrologers out there that have been doing this for a long time. Um, and there are organizations that, uh, help you get a credit. You can get accredited through certain astrological organizations and programs and stuff along those lines. Um, but it raises the question, you know, it raises the question of uh, how, you know, valid someone's skill is too. you know, how much you put into it. Um, and it's so, okay. So if you put a lot of time and energy into something and you, you've based a lot of understanding, spent several years on it, and then you see someone come along. And like, I think this is a lot of what a lot of astrologers are, or maybe even tarot people might be dealing with. Um, and then you see someone come along who's, you know, just got in there is kind of sharing very base stuff, but has like a following, like 20 million times larger than yours. And you're like, but the wrong information is getting out. And I have to say, I've totally felt that way from time to time. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I think that's part of the Neptune and Pisces journey is because essentially people are looking to spiritually connect now by the, you know, by the droves. Like everybody's like, you've seen it. There's a spiritual uprising right now and we are part of it. And that's okay. That's great. Yeah, I think that is great. (laughs) It's wonderful. And I think, but I think at the same time, there comes that Pisces element and something that we really can't get away from is the fact that there, it isn't clear cut. There could be deception there. People might, yeah. you know, be fraudulent um, and not give you the type of quality for the same money you could get elsewhere had you done your research on the practitioner. But at the same time, I also believe in the law of attraction and like people who come to you, come to you and we all have something to share and what that looks like is going to be different for everyone. So, and also karma, like if you're, if you just got a, a book on tarot yesterday and you're like, I'm a tarot reader, here's my website, here's my, this, here's my, that, um, it's not going to work out for you anyway, because you're not, putting in like the law of attraction. Yes. The people will come that you are attracting, but also the life that you're making will come to you. Right. So if you're like, I'm this thing the day after you learn it, it's going to fall apart or you're going to really 
or you really mean it and you're really going for it and like you're really going to become it. Yeah. And you're, it's just going to take time to grow and, you know, you'll have, you'll yeah. pick up along the way type of thing. And so, but these are the questions that we have in, in, in typical Neptunian fashion, we don't have an answer for them, right? It's all based on, on our, our belief or what we think is, you know, the right way to proceed. Um, yeah. and so, yeah. So I mean, maybe confusion. it's, <laughs> maybe it's my Virgo rising talking, but when you mentioned do your research, like that is what, what I would lean on to know if I want to, um, you know, buy a session with anyone. Yes. And so then, and that's a good way of looking at it too, because it takes all the pressure off like the practitioner being something of specific, um, you know, a, a certain level, because at the end of the day, whoever you're giving money to, whoever you are gravitating towards to look for healing or understanding or enlightenment or you know, however that looks for you, it's still your choice to make, right? You know, like, yeah, I mean, my friend says this, um, quote all the time about how we can't really learn. We can't learn as much from someone who's like 20 steps ahead of us, but we can learn more from someone who's like two or three steps ahead of us because we're speaking like a similar language. In it. Mm, yes. And that, that is a valid point. Not to say that someone couldn't go to an astrologer that's been doing it for 20, 20 years and not understand. I'm now I'm veering off all different ways, but I just think that I lean more towards like I'm just really excited that our society is going toward spirituality, like you said, in droves. Um, and it's less important to me, um, the other part of it, like if people are doing it in a certain way. And I guess that, le- that shows in my chart too, right? I know yeah. you're about to well, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think that says a lot to having Saturn and Capricorn right now and having Pluto and Capricorn because Capricorn deals with systems and organizations and things along those lines. And Saturn is back to that reality principle that Saturn was conjunct Neptune when it was, when Neptune was discovered officially. (laughs) Um, And so the, you know, that Saturn in Capricorn is just like, no, there has to be rules behind this. This There has to be some organization to it. It can't be a free for all for all the people that want to be this or that and advertise, you know? And so that's where it's, it's, Basically, that's my opinion of how, why these two things are coming together at this particular time. And there is no answer. And I'm ping-ponging just as much as you are. <laughs> so, and I think I that's think the it, nature. Uh, yeah, I think um, thinking back to that, when the astrologer, it's actually Jessica Lanyadu, if you know who mm-hmm. that is. She is the astrologer for the Hood Witch. Um, I think it's because of all the memes. Like, you know, how many meme astrology accounts are coming up and people are like, really identifying with their sun sign only like you and I talked about. Um, so I think it's because of like the the internet and oversimplification of everything and like our society of wanting things fast and like devourable very quick, like as much as we can. Um, and that's probably really sad to see for someone who, I mean, who's for someone who is working in and studying and, uh, creating a service in their life around, or, um, a beautiful esoteric, um, tradition. Yeah. And then having it. Yeah. And so, but that's the thing is we have to, you're always pushing through what is in the now, you know? Um, and so it's just where we are right, right now. And we have, we'll have to tackle this, but at the the end of the day, like we were saying, like people are just coming to spirituality now. And that is the, the time of life that we are in for these 15 years, you know, until, uh, uh, Neptune moves into Aries, which is, 
2026, I believe, is when it enters there. So we got some time to go. Um, and then that okay. landscape will totally change as well. So this is just where we are right now, and we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Not really Neptune to figure it out. Like, that's the whole idea. I was going to say, are yeah. we going to? I yeah. don't know. I know. Yeah. It's, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> we'll do our best. We will do our best to try. Um, so, okay. So figuring it out, like, let's, let's go back to our, you know, our aftermath of our, our catechismic rejection, our dear catechismic rejection. <laughs> um, and then that, you know, all that, like you're saying, your distrust of the bureaucracy systems that came after it, uh, which definitely ties into that. Well, I find that interesting because you have a, a south node um, in, in Capricorn. Um, so you're moving away from those systems anyway. So it makes sense that that, that, that would kind of repel you and you kind of want to go in more of a compassionate, um, you know, nurturing, like the bigger, you know, picture world vision here, um, rather than working within this framework that seems so outdated and like, uh, um, <laughs> And so, uh, and so I, I think that speaks to that South Node and Neptune conjunction you have. And for anybody listening, if you want to see, do I have that conjunction? Uh, the, it, the South Node meeting Neptune does not happen every day. It happened in 1949, in 1966, 1983, 2000, and then 2016. So, you know, you, you, you guys are special folk that come out <laughs> at Aww. that time to kind of, you know, like pursue these types of questions and understanding. So to me, that makes sense. That's why all my friends are born in 1949 and 1966. Now oh, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I love it. So, okay. So let's move on to our next leg of our journey. Cause I mean, you found Reiki, right? Like yeah. So I think where we left off was when I stopped, um, when I quit the MFA program and then, yeah, I mean, I was working little jobs and things that didn't matter. Um, but always, like, I, I think I already said, I've always known that I somehow had to help. Like I was a healer. I had to make people understand each other more or calm down or just all different things. Um, so I mean, I don't know when it came, like my distrust of the medical um, world, the Western medical world, but I've had it for a long time and I just have never been a person to say like, you know, um, my doctor said I should do this. I always say like, why? What made them say that? You know, like I want to make sense of that, which goes with my, the whole rest of my story. But yeah, I think, um, actually there was something that happened. I, I was going to a doctor and I got, I can't remember like an x-ray or something, but there was something where they had to, um, administer a pregnancy test along with it. And I was like, no. And this was in the, uh, when I was in the MFA program, cause it was at the mm-hmm. school, um, doctor. And I said, oh, I don't need that. My partner's a woman. And they were like, well, it's part of the, like, you have to get it because in order to get this other thing, you have to get this. It's protocol. And I was like, my partner is a woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, not I am not, <laughs> I'm not pregnant. Can, so for you to take away my agency of like my, now I'm getting like loud. <laughs> for you to take away my, my agency of, do I know how I'm living my life? You know, I like, and then discrediting like the LGBTQ community, whatever. It's, it's a million things deep. I think that's for another time. But yeah, I was really distrustful of the medical system. Like, you know, 
I'm sure most people are by now. Um, so I, I wanted to take care of myself, um, in a more Eastern way. And I'm only saying this in retrospect, right? Like I didn't know, I was just like with a blindfold, like fumbling around for what felt right. And I found acupuncture and then I found Reiki right after that. Um, I didn't know what it was, but I saw that it was, um, originated in Japan and had to do with the energy, like your energy body and the body that you couldn't see mm-hmm. that you have around you. And <laughs> I was like, I you. think, I think that's what I need to work on. The body that I can't see around me, you know, my aura, my, your auric field goes out five feet in front of you on the side of you, above you and below you. And I was like, I, maybe that's where my issues are. Like, I'm going to look there. Right. So I went to this, um, community acupuncture session and it was just, it's really hard to talk about. And I've tried and I've tried to write like a, a, you know, um, an eloquent bio for my website about it, but it's just really hard. Um, experiencing your, your energetic body for the first time consciously, right? Like Mm -hmm. we've all walked into a room and thought it does not feel good in here or, wow, I feel lighter walking in here or all these different things. But, um, you know, going to a Reiki session, you're doing that on purpose. So it feels kind of more intense, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, you're like curating that for that to happen. So yeah, um, it was two practitioners working on me and they hovered over my, um, heart chakra and I felt, I just felt like all the energy in my body rising to my skin and like something was happening and I couldn't put words to it. And I, tears were like pulling in my eyes and, you know, the session was over and they were like, um, how are you feeling? And I remember saying, I don't know, but like my eyes were really closed, like happy. It was kind of like the same as like laughing gas, you know, Mm. Uh, not really, but (laughs) I've had a similar experience with laughing gas where the dentist is like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I don't know, you know? Um, (laughs) So they were just like, take your time, you know, go have water in the lobby or whatever. So I did that. And I went home and I was like, Ooh, that was a really fascinating, life-changing experience. I don't really know what happened, but I felt something. I felt like I, I had only like skimmed the surface of that kind of feeling ever before. Like with the examples of like walking into a room or, you know, different energies and feelings, um, without curating it and doing it on purpose. And my life was just changed. Um, Mm -hmm. and then yeah, like I said, I've been looking for how to be the helper that was deep inside of me, like when I was born into this lifetime and something clicked and that was it. No more searching, no more bachelor in psychology. I mean, you know, sometimes it's really cute and sweet. People will be like, oh, so you wound up doing what you wanted to do anyway. You know, like that I, I wanted to counsel people and with my Reiki sessions, you know, in the beginning of it, we sit and talk. I'm like, what's going on with you? You know, like let's let everything go. And then after we reconvene and we talk about what we found. So it is like a form of counseling, um, but not within the system. Well, you know, I think that's very interesting that you say that. And it's actually kind of perfect for you to sit down and have kind of like those psychoanalytical roots come out first, because I think by releasing some of those or bringing it up to the, at least like that kind of mental surface level before you do the healing, um, is 
is very potent because when you're having a Reiki session, if for those of you who have not had one before, you know, you're, you're there, you're in stillness because someone was working on your energetic body. Um, and that can take anywhere from, you know, 10 minutes to an hour, depending on like, you know, what level you're getting there. Um, and to have some type of food for thought to have kind of release energetically with, you know, from you beforehand, I think it's very valuable. Um, and actually speaks to the whole conversation that I was reading online that I spoke of earlier with the astrologers and the, in the Neptune principle, um, was saying that the, the only way to get, uh, kind of like more accredited in our mainstream bureaucratic society is to then go do things like get a BA or a master's in psychology. And then work the astrology <laughs> in with the psychology. Oh my God, really? And yes. I'm and doing so, it. And you're doing that but <laughs> on the Reiki level. Yeah. So, you know, you are, you're still working within that system and you have that accreditation to do so. And you get to kind of formulate a unique approach to your own practice. So if anything, you know, it, no steps are wasted, right? It all. Yeah, you know, definitely. Definitely. And I'm not sure. Um, I mean, for that session that I already talked about, there was no talking in the beginning. It was just like, get on the table, you know, yeah. and then... <laughs> get on the table. <laughs> get on the table. No, it was like, you know, welcome. Yes, yeah, yeah, Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not a lot of... T- wasn't a lot of talking. And then I've gotten some other sessions where there is sometimes, sometimes there isn't, you know. But, um, and of course, if my client doesn't feel like talking or they're like... The, the relationship between me and my clients gets really intimate you know, as I'm sure a person could guess. So if they come in and they're, you know, they've just been crying or whatever. And they're, they're like, can we just do the table? Can we just do the Reiki today? I'm like, yes. You know, so it's more like, um, I usually do the talking because I like to set the tone, like how you were saying, um, you know, I don't want you laying on the table the whole time and thinking about like, I want you to be able to let go. Yeah. So the work can happen, channel through me and get to you. So I don't want you to, I think the talking really helps, um, people release. Yeah. You know, a lot of times <laughs> we're back, right back to Neptune because Neptune <laughs> is about surrendering and letting go and re- being able to release and why it's associated with things such as loss, because we, you know, it, it, it's a release from our life and then we have to surrender something to it. So that's interesting as well. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because people, I mean, my whole life, people always tell me like, I don't know why I just told you all of that. You know, I I can tell you things that I don't tell other people or wow, I've never said that out loud, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and now that happens in my practice, uh, with my clients, but also a lot of crying where people are like, you know, they just, they, they feel a ton of release. Like it feels like, you know, you're out operating in the daily world. You have to be polite. Maybe you like, don't want to tell your partner how you really feel or all different things. And then you come here and you can just crack open. That's what I call like crack wide open. And then I'm going to get in to your energetic body on the table and you just let everything go. Let it go. I love it. Love it. And so I know we are, we are running a little long here, but I want to get to your story about granny or (laughs) nanny, right? Nanny, nanny. (laughs) Nanny. Yeah. Should I just jump in? Jump in. Okay. I think we're there. Yeah. We're there. Um, This is next level. This is the next leg. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I'm not without my problems. I have, I mean, every healer, every person, every 
human trying to live a conscious life gets more and more aware of all of their issues that are, you know, embedded into their DNA and all this kind of stuff. So, um, I talked to my Reiki master and I was telling her all the things I was worrying about. Like, you know, I'm, it is my baseline to worry. And I think it's both from nature and nurture. So it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she was like, okay, what I want you to do is meditate every day for 30 minutes. You know, it has to be as important to you as drinking water or eating food. Like you can't go without it. And I started doing that um, and it changed my life in a million ways that don't have to do with what we're talking about. But also <laughs> last month um, I was meditating and I set off the smoke alarm. So I had to get up and like, you know, wave a towel or the door in front of it to make it stop. And then I came back to the altar and put the headphones back in. And my nanny, which is Irish for grandma, um, was there. And she said, I'm here with you. Like, it wasn't like a curtain blue. And I was like, oh, I think that's my nanny. Or, you know, <laughs> it wasn't anything that was not definite. Yeah. So it's really interesting because like it was definite, but it was someone talking to me from the other realm. So I don't know. Um, yeah. So you're like, I don't know either. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like the thing. It's like that Neptune yeah. thing we're talking about. We can't yeah. really define it, but it speaks so clearly to the definition we know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, I had a really long conversation with her because actually also side note really quickly before this happened, my life was all of a sudden populated with intuitives. Um, and I, you know, being on the path that I'm on, I'm very conscious of everything and being a Virgo rising. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, wow. E like everyone around me all of a sudden is like, uh, an intuitive am I an intuitive? You know, is that the message that you're telling me? Like, yeah. um, yeah, then this happened. So I sat down and she said, I'm here with you. And an intuitive before that told me, cause I do, I already have before this got messages in my sessions. So like I'll see, um, an image of a boat. And then in the recap after your Reiki session, I'll say, you know, I'm not sure what this means, but I saw a boat. And then the person will cry and be like, that's my grandpa, you know? And I'm like, okay. So I asked an intuitive, you know, how come I only get one little picture and I can't really tell the story? And they said, just ask more questions. Um, and they'll, you'll keep getting answers, which is another theme of this conversation. Yes. Right. Um, so yeah, I just kept asking my nanny questions and I asked her a lot about God and I thought that was because, um, she was really religious. You know, that was my mom's mom. So that was the reason my mom went to Catholic school and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe it was because of my path. I guess it was both, you know, that I, I hadn't reflected on getting kicked out of catechism in eighth grade and like putting it all together until we really sussed it out, um, more. But yeah, I asked her all about God and she said, um, I said, is there a God? And she said, you are God. Um, and I said, okay, but is God, um, you know, a white guy with a beard because that doesn't seem real. <laughs> and she said, no. God is everything. Like God is nature. God is you. God is every person, you know? Um, it was really overwhelming. And I, I always, I mean, I usually cry during meditation anyway, really. Yes. <laughs> um, but this one, I was just like sobbing, like full chest, like, ugh. um, cause it's almost like you got an answer in that moment. It wasn't a definitive yeah. one because it's not an answer. It, the answer is everything, right? Yeah. Essentially. 
Yeah, I mean, I got an answer, but also, like, I hadn't seen my nanny in 18 years. Yes. And she was, like, back, and I didn't know she was coming back. And, um, yeah, I didn't know that I had this gift or, like, I'm not even sure if we all have this gift, but it, it just never, I had never had this experience before. So I was just, like, it was really shocking and... Yeah, the conversation wasn't like about nothing. It was very deep. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I find it very perfect too. If we come back to your your Neptune position in the South Node there, um, but most importantly, how Neptune in Cassie's chart is exactly to the degree conjunct her IC, which is the opposite point of the midheaven. The IC can represent things as the family, the foundational upbringing, our ancestry. And so here you're having this Neptune experience that answers these, you know, Sagittarius question answer, you know, searching for the truth. And it comes in through your ancestry, through your ancestor. It wasn't like a famous person that came to you or like, it was, it was nanny, you know, she had you know, her spirit had the answer for you, um, or at least a direction to go in to help comfort you and understand yourself better. Because that fourth house IC principle is also the very root of our, our own emotional and, you know, kind of psychological foundation as well. Um, and the conditioning that comes with our family. And so it, to me, that's so poetic and it seems beautiful. It's that so happens. poetic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she went on to say, um, I think I asked her if I was proud of, if she was proud of me and she said, yes. And she said, um, your Reiki practice is God, you know? Yeah. And I, I wrote, I wrote the whole thing down. So I'm not misrecalling it. Like I was like, you know, sobbing, communicating with her and writing it all down because I knew how special it was. Um, and she told me the last thing she said before I let her go back up or before we stopped, um, was that, she advised me to not be denying or afraid of God. So, Mm. and that is just really like, that is the God I want, right? You know, that's the one that I, I wanted, that's must've been what I wanted the Monsignor in eighth grade to answer me, you know? Um, Like God is love. God is intimacy. You know, God is tears like that. It's our, our connection and our quest and, it's not, um, I mean, that is something hard to answer, right? Because that's yeah. like a non-answer answer. Yeah. But, but that's where we are today. <laughs> but it's more true to me than God is this guy. Yeah. You know? Cause that was something too. Like, um, I've been a fem- like super staunch feminist since I was like five. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was always like, why are you doing that? I want to do that. Like, like really intense. I don't know. Maybe it's a past life coming through, but, um, <laughs> that was always something that weirded me out too. I was like, God's a guy. So like, he doesn't really get me then, but he's my God, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about things. I don't know. That's funny. Well, okay. So to wrap it all up here, we're coming full <laughs> circle, right? Because what did you tell me the other day? Yeah. I said that now, like, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm confused about like, am I supposed to go back to church or like, but I don't want to be rejected and I don't want it to be this thing about these things that I don't believe. And, um, so I started re- researching spiritualist churches in San Diego. Yes. 
Yeah. So here we are at the Spiritualist Church, which was, was I wanted to tell you that I had a friend that um, was uh, leading a spiritual church. And it turns out, I, well, right after we talked, she actually reached out to me the next day. So that was random. Oh my um, God, that was not random. You know, you know I know. I say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say that with, I don't know the word I'm looking for. But um yeah, Sherry, uh, Sherry O'Hara, and she uh, is putting together a place called the Spirit, I think it's called the Spirit Center, and it's going to be in Hillcrest. I think it's coming together as we speak right now. Um, and so, how perfect. I'm like, about, I'm like about to cry. Yeah. Well, I told her, I told her that I had spoken to you. Um, and so we're all linking it up here because basically at the end of the day, if we're going to wrap this all up, is we all want to connect with something higher than ourselves. And a lot of times, actually all the time. We can't quite see what that is. Um, and we need outlets to do that because that is part of human existence from the very beginning and why we even look at the stars, uh, to find answers to begin with, if we liken it to astrology. So I, yeah, I loved, I loved all your stories, Cassie. I love putting it together with the Neptune and how Neptune is so important in your chart. Um, and it just, perfect for this week. So now I'm going to give the platform over to you um, since we're running a little long here because I want people to A, learn about a retreat that Cassie's doing. Um, and then I know you wanted to mention your your tea real quick. And so just tell us you know, where people can find you, what you got going on and all that. Yeah. So my website is manifestreikiherbs.com. And then my Instagram is at manifestreikiherbs. Um, and then some things I have going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Reiki practitioner and, um, that's been said already. And some other new things that I have going on. This is coming out on the next Wednesday. On September 3rd is when Okay. Okay. Um, I'm having a retreat, uh, that starts on September 7th. So it might be a tight squeeze, but right now this is, um, August 29th, I think today. And we have two tickets left as of now. Um, the retreat is called You Are the Oracle, and it's basically an energy healing retreat. We're going to give Reiki sessions. We're going to have um, a fire ritual to release, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to have a, um, a new moon manifestation ritual. And it's going to be, uh, we have a vegan chef that's doing the whole thing. Um, it's in Palm Desert. And we're also going to the Salton Sea to do a land healing ceremony. I have a co-creator, Rachel Lorraine. She is a, um, an interior designer who does feng shui and energy clearing and stuff. So we came together and um, created like the itinerary for it to kind of um, serve as best we can. Yeah. Nice. So that is on the 7th. Um, and then if you go to my Instagram or my um, website, there's links to buy a ticket from the Eventbrite. Um, yes. And I will have all those links on my blog page and stuff as well, too, so that people uh, can get to it that way, too, in case you can't get it down or whatever. Yeah. It's out there. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I'm releasing a products line that could might be in like a couple months, but I'm not sure just yet. It's a lot of details to work out. But um, one of the things I'm releasing is called a love tea. And I made this tea because my friend asked me to make a tea for her friend who was getting married um, the next day. She was going to have her over and like draw a bath for her. And she just wanted me to create something for her to really kind of relax and open into and like make sure her nerves were calm. And, you know, it was just like the perfect moment. So um, I created a tea intuitively um, for that moment. And it's super delicious. And then I have a rose body oil and... Um, 
yeah, there will be more and more and more from me, but I am developing a lot of things right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that seems very Virgo Pisces. I, I love yeah. it. <laughs> Thank rather you. Perfect. Um, yes. And so, yes, I'll have all those links so that you can go check out Cassie, her offerings, the retreat, which I love the name. You are the Oracle because it really comes back to what, what Nanny was saying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And Neptune, right? Nanny, nanny and Neptune. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of perfect. Neptunian nanny. nanny. I know. That's so cute. I love nanny. Tell yeah. nanny I said hi next time. I will. I don't know when it'll be, but I'll <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? But uh, She's probably here just, I mean, she, right now. Yeah, she's exactly. Whenever I think of her, she's here. So yes, she's nanny, say she's hello. Bas- yeah, she's basically laughing at us right now. <laughs> girls. Oh yeah. my God, I love it. <laughs> So thank you so much for sharing, Cassie. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. All right. So where can people find me? Well, you can find me um, at energeticprinciples.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles, where I do uh, daily astro alerts and other updates that are astrological and whim related sometimes. <laughs> um, and I do do consultations. Um, I focus on something called uh, Tarot Meets Astro, where I do uh, not, I look at the astrology of your chart and the progressions and the transits in the moment, combine it with some tarot, and then we just get in there and talk things out um, and see what the stars have to say in the process. So if you're interested in that, um, I'm able to be booked here in San Diego or via Zoom um, for consultations around the world. Also, uh, you can, you probably heard about me talking about my Patreon page and uh, my tarot subscription there and the moon horoscopes and things along those lines. So if you want to check that out or even show support for the podcast by making, you know, a little donation, I will gladly take it because it keeps it up and running, basically. (laughs) Uh, And you can do that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, And of course, if you like what you hear today, you know, share with a friend, spread the good word. You know, Neptune's trying to to seep out there (laughs) into the consciousness. Um, So feel free to share. And if you like what you heard and want to kind of, you know, get me a little more visible on iTunes, I would gladly accept a good review. Um, So uh, I think I've said my whole spiel. And so I will say goodbye to Cassie once again. Thank you so much for joining me. Bye. Thank you. All right, everyone. And thank you for joining me as well. And until next time, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.